Welcome to the Aquarian Mother Podcast, a podcast that supports you in your journey in motherhood. I am your host, Marie-André, a mother, meditator, and yogini, and I specialize in gently supporting mother both IRL and online. Hello, welcome back. This is episode four. And this episode is the continuation of my birth story. So if you did not uh, listen already to the first part, it's episode three, where I talk about um, why we uh, would like to share our birth stories and my birth story, everything from the last weeks of pregnancy, where some pressure was building up um, to get an induction because I was going quote unquote past my due date and my uh, labor, my very long labor, I feel <laughs> at home. Uh, spoiler alert, you might want to go back now to listen to the third episode. Uh, yeah, so home labor towards a home birth until my midwife says, okay, you need to transfer to the hospital. So let's get started there with me, with the midwife, finally being able to take the heartbeat of the baby and telling me it's quite low and it's quite uh, also, it's, it was uh, fluctuating a lot. So that's more of an indication even that something might be going on. Um, that baby was a little stressed out by all this... Um, these contractions and she said okay I now I have to pull the plug on your home birth let's go to hospital so she called um, the birthing hospital here who's uh, mostly in charge of problematic birth um, that's how it is here in Helsinki there is a few uh, places where you can give birth uh, and this one is in the center of Helsinki. The thing is, they are really specialized in problematic birds, so that's another thing. But in any case, it's now seven in the morning. Uh, we remember my contraction started not the morning before, but the afternoon before that. So it's been a while and now it's contraction back to back. It has been a longer labor than what they are used to see uh, when you come to hospital. So um, it's seven in the morning. There isn't a lot of traffic in Helsinki, Finland, but <laughs> if there is a little bit of congestion, it is at seven o'clock in the morning on a weekday. So uh, we are in the, in the car with my midwife. And this is the worst car ride of my life. Um, I am having a contractions and now I'm just like focusing on the pain, I think, because I'm in a car. This is a weird, like it's really bright. It's seven in the morning. Uh, I'm, there is uh, also construction all over town, mainly in our parking lot also. <laughs> like It's just a mess everywhere. It's really bumpy. 
and she's on the phone talking in Finnish with the clinic and apparently they said, oh no, we don't have uh, much space here, you should go to the other hospital, which is way too far. And she said, no, no, this woman has been in labor for so long, I need to come here, it's a bit of an emergency. But we were not like in this emergency mode, we were just like, we are going now to a hospital. And um, we arrived there after I don't know, 30 minutes or something. And um, this is just the Finnish thing that we arrived there and no one helps me. And I'm screaming. I have contraction after contraction after contraction and I'm in so much pain. And I have been in pain for hours and no wheelchair, like in the movie. No one comes to me and I have to walk very far, I feel, to the birthing room and we end up there and a nurse comes and start asking me all those questions and I'm like why why are you talking to me just leave me alone um I answer all this question about my social security number and everything like weird stuff and I'm like oh this would be a good time not to ask those questions you know <laughs> I'm trying to give birth here um and the midwife arrives so in Finland that that one cool thing about hospital births is usually if everything goes well it's only midwives there are no doctors coming so um, this midwife comes and my private midwife could stay with me as a doula so my doula had to stay home she stayed home she was uh, handling a bit of things at home and my midwife could be my doula in the hospital because I could only have one doula, one partner. So the midwife came and she said, because remember my midwife is also doing hospital births. She works some shift in hospital sometimes. So she said to me, oh, this is cool. I'm happy you're having this midwife. Like she could not act as a midwife then when we transferred uh, because she's, she's not on this shift or I don't know how this works, but she could be there as my doula. And she said, oh, I'm happy you're having this midwife. She's really nice. So she said, okay, do you want uh, pain medication? And now I'm in this hospital and I'm just like so exhausted and the car ride was so, so I give up. And I says, yes, yes, please do something because I think something is wrong also. And so she said, okay, I need to go get the doctor's permission because they cannot give you anything if they don't have doctor permission. I ended up waiting for one hour. Once I gave up and said, yes, please give me something, I had to wait for one hour with contractions back to back. Like, I'm not kidding, back to back. And they were giving me this, this laughing gas, whatever. I could not breathe into this. It was making me feel worse. <laughs> one, one other thing that made me feel worse. Um, so I had to wait and I was just now waiting. I was now just focusing on waiting for this pain relief they promised me, which was not coming. Anyway, it uh, ended up coming. I had something in my tie, just take the pain away. I'm not sure even what drug was this. At this point, I, was, I had given up my whole plan. And I regret a little bit that I did not have a better plan for hospital. Because when I made my birth plan for home, 
in case of different situations. I had a hospital plan, and I also had a C-section birth plan, if it comes to uh, that. But in my mind, it was really far away, and there was no reason why. And I think I, was not, I did not have the courage to get into it enough. Would I have been more prepared to be in the hospital? I think things would have gone very differently. So yeah, anyway, I'm there. I said yes to the, to the painkillers. I get this in my tie. It's supposed to last one hour, I think, or two hours. And then we're going to assess what's happening. Oh, and then they put me a fetal monitor on my belly that is always moving. And of course, I know because I know the studies that constant uh, fetal monitoring is not very good. Uh, it leads a lot to medical intervention because often misread as a baby being in distress. So it's better to have intermittent monitoring. But at this point, we know that my baby is a bit stressed out and that's why we are there in the hospital. But my midwife uh, constantly comes and all it on my belly. She said, it's going, it's moving a bit. So the reading is bad and they are gonna be stressed. So like she was always coming and holding it or replacing it. And my partner is there, a bit stressed. He goes to get some food. I'm not hungry, I, I cannot eat. And they come and they offer me a new painkiller because this one is gonna be over. So I say yes. And I'm just like, uh, like I, I kind of, I gave up, you know? So I'm like, okay, yes, let's do this. And then now we, we check my cervix because I was not very interested in knowing how much I was dilated when I was at home having my birth, I thought this is just like mm, disturbing. And so the midwife tries to check and she, my cervix was so far away, which ended up maybe being a, the problem. My cervix was very far, she could not reach it. There's another doctor who came and uh, they said she has very long fingers. <laughs> I don't know. So she can check and before she checked actually my water broke so my water broke this doctor checked my cervix and she says you are half a centimeter dilated and I started to laugh and my midwife was also very um, shocked now I was telling this story to one friend of mine and she said, but you know, it can close also. So there is the possibility because we don't know how open I was there at home, but there is a possibility that the whole car ride and coming to hospital and being frightened, being in the hospital and being asked all those questions and waiting for the painkiller and all this, uh, it's not, you know, how this works to be able to birth, to be able to dilate, to be able to um, get this whole birth process going on, you need to feel very, very safe and secure. And that is why home birth is ideal because you're in your own environment. There is only the people you know and chose that are around you. You're in the dark, you're in the warmth, like nothing that can um, activate your uh, fight or flight response or even just like um, temper with your with your hormones so it's 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 an ideal setting so coming 
the car ride for over 30 minutes, uh, being stressed, all these might as well have closed back my cervix. We will never know. But this was a very shock shocking thing. But then she massaged a bit my cervix and she said, oh, but it's opening now. When she got out of there, it was already three centimeters open. And they put monitor attached to my baby's head, I believe, that um, was monitoring now the heartbeat. Uh, And it was quite weird because I was feeling the contractions, but I did not have the pain now. I had this, this pain medication. And we were chatting with uh, my midwife, and then she had to go. My doula came back, so um, my doula was there. So we were talking, and I was um, seeing the good side of things. I was trying to be very positive. And um, at one point, the nurse, the midwife, came um, and told me, Oh, you know, we could give you the pitocin because uh, I don't know, she had all the reasons. And I was thinking, "Mm." now after one hour, my cervix was open four centimeters. So it was now going quite like this normal average one centimeter an hour. Like, I mean, it's never like this in birth, right? (laughs) This is not a thing, but it's a thing in the books. So... I was thinking, okay, like it's going well now. Why does she want to give me pitocin? And I thought in my heart, no, this is not a good idea. I don't want this. But once again, I failed listening to my intuition and staying in my power. And so I asked, you know, this is the, the hardest part because I prepared for nine months with most evidence-based, most critical thinking about the birth and the procedures and the physiology of all of it and always looking for the critical thinking. And you're in the hospital and you ask them, like, it's not in their radar that it could be not so good to do this because they do the pitocin, the augmentation of labor with uh, the synthetic oxytocin, they do it every day. So when I asked her to have a critical point of view on this, she did not have any to offer. She was like, no, no, yeah, it's okay. And I could see she did not mean anything bad with it. She was very nice. She was really respectful. I have not felt um, disrespected and coerced. Then when I was in the hospital in labor, at any point but it was so biased that I asked and I said but why don't we just wait and see it could be a bit intense to augment the labor and she said no but I think it's better it's gonna be more regular and um, and I'm not sure exactly what she said but they were afraid I think that it would stop again and I was tired of swimming against the stream and I thought in myself Why are you fighting them? Stop fighting. You're always fighting. They want to help you. Anyway, your whole home birth, unmedicated, non-medically assisted plan is out of the window for hours now. You're here in this hospital bed. Let's just go along with what they are saying. So I said, 
okay then let's do it and i was okay let's remember i was quite tired i was in labor for so long then now it had been at least 24 hours um more than that i believe yeah more than that because i <laughs> i was uh the night before that so so many hours right so i said okay and they gave it to me and I went to the toilet again. I remember I was in the toilet and I started feeling contractions so intense. They were not painful. As I said, you don't feel pain, but you feel your belly going like contracting so much and it was nonstop, really, and super strong. And I came back uh, from the toilet and I had in my vision the monitor that was monitoring my baby's heartbeat and I saw that it's going up and down like extreme. And I thought, of course, it, it was making so much sense. These contractions are so intense. And I told my partner, my doula that were there, I said, uh-huh, so it's not good. Like the contractions are too much. Look at the monitor. And two minutes after that, the midwife came in the room. She said, the baby is in distress. This is too much. And I was like, yeah, of course and they called the surgeon who was bleeding for a C-section. And I tried to make sure that the baby was really in distress, so he first he called another surgeon to ask another opinion and they took a blood sample from my baby's head to see and there were there was a lot of lactic acid i think uh that showed that he was indeed in distress but all this conversation this is what was the weirdest this conversation was quite um calm it was super respectful he was from another uh, world, you know, like the, the, the medical model and the midwifery model are very different uh, models. So, of course, we are coming from very different point of views, but I never felt coerced and I felt really respected and it was quite calm. He was not panicking. He was not threatening anything. He was and then we talked about the C-section a little bit. But he was, he was really uninformed. So before that, when we were chatting with the, the hospital midwife and my doula about uh, what, what we are going to do if we go to C-section, and I had my C-section plan, birth plan with me, so I gave it to her. We were wondering with my doula, if there's a C-section, can you have this gentle C-section where it is done in every way to be the most similar to a vaginal birth as it can be? And there is, instead of a curtain that is opaque and you cannot see, it's a, a curtain that is transparent and you can see your baby being born. You can keep the placenta attached, the cord not cut, uh, have your baby on you right away, not wash him, like all these things. And they try to make it as close as possible. And uh, my doula said she never saw it in Finland and she doesn't know if it, it, it exists. So we talked with the midwife before that in, in the afternoon, like before we even knew I would have maybe to go to C-section. 
uh, when we were sharing my C-section birth plan. And she said, no, it's not, it's not a thing. Uh, they don't do that. So they were really not informed about gentle C-section. And this, this phrasing did not mean anything to them. So the surgeon, when I talked to him, I said, uh, I, I want it to be as gentle as possible. And he said, yes, we are not rough. <laughs> we are treating you gently. As soon as I said yes to the C-section, the mood completely changed. This was the most shocking thing for me. So it went from, oh, let's assess if we really need this. And like I, I took my time to say, okay, yes, let's do it. And as soon as I said yes, it was like, bang, okay, let's go. Uh, we need to prepare you. Your partner is coming with us. He needs to change. They were preparing my partner, so he was away. They took me. I was not with my partner. I was like, where is he? No, he's coming, he's coming. He's getting prepared. We need to prepare you. I entered this surgery room full of people. Everyone speaking Finnish. Uh, they are prepping me, and I'm alone there, and I, I'm shaking a little bit. I'm very afraid. I'm asking, where's my partner? He's coming, he's coming. There's the nurse next to me. I said to her, can you hold my hand? I'm scared. She did not react. I had to repeat and be insistent. Please, can you hold my hand? Because I am scared. And she held it. But anyway. <laughs> It was such a weird thing. I was lying there on my back and then um, they injected me more drugs and I started shaking, like shaking. I've never shaked like this. Okay, so the, this nurse uh, was wearing hijab. For some reason, I felt, okay, she's religious. I don't know if it's a bad assumption, but she was wearing hijab, so I felt she's religious. So I felt a bit reassured, even though I felt a little bit annoyed at, why don't you hold my hand? Um, I have to ask you twice. But then uh, she was holding my hand, and then someone else put more um, drug. I started shaking. My partner arrived. He was there um, sitting in a... So he was sitting like there at the end of the table where my head was and he was holding me and he said something very kind. He said to those all those um, nurses, you need to talk to her, you need to explain what you are doing because she's scared and knowing what you are doing is uh, reassuring to her, which I, uh, I also had said, but they were not really um, used to this, you know, they used to do their things. And so they tested if the local anesthesia was working. And they do this on the part of your belly that is supposed to not be uh, anesthetized. So they put some liquid and they say, okay, so this is gonna feel wet and cold where you're not numb. So it's gonna feel wet and cold, yes. And here, does it feel only wet? And I said, no, it's, it's both. And they put me more drugs. They do again. Is it wet and cold? Yes, it's still wet and cold. And then I'm thinking in myself, oh God, I'm not like getting, um, <laughs> I my body is not cooperating to this. Um, so they 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 tried so many times because after tw two times, I thought that's it. They're gonna say we need to we need to put you to sleep. But they really, they did not want to put me to sleep. And uh, they tried again and again and again. They were putting me more drugs every time. So I ended up being 
extremely drugged, right? But if it moves, then it doesn't reach the drug doesn't reach in the right place so that's probably what was happening and then I got so confused like why is it not happening maybe I'm I'm hallucinating that I feel bored and they tried to cut me and I jumped from the table because I felt everything so and I have a weird mark on my scar that is like I think coming from this this weird um, cut that I, I felt so much, I, I jumped on the table. So they said, okay, yes, you we need to um, put you under general anesthesia. And they threw my partner out very, very quickly. It, it was, I think, super traumatic for him too, because they were like, okay, now you need to get out. And there was this sense of, we need to do this very, very quickly. And they gave me this mask to, to put me to sleep, to breathe in. And so this nurse gave me the, the mask. Another nurse um, gave me the mask and I, I tried to breathe in and I choked because there was nothing coming. And I said, and she was holding it on my nose and I pushed it. I said, I cannot, there's nothing. No, no, she said, no, it's normal, it's normal. It was not normal, there was no, it was not on. And then she put it again and you're supposed to count, I think, or something. But my last thought was maybe, maybe I'm gonna die because I have this, I had this whole thing. Um, well, this is not my story to tell, but I had this thing. And since it's not my story to tell, I'm not gonna talk about it right now. But there would have been reason that my son would grow up without son that we did not know at that point if it we knew I knew it would be a son my partner also knew it would be a son but we did not add any uh, confirmation there would have been some very good reason uh, for the universe uh, for my son to be raised uh, without his mom or his biological mom me being alive so that's the last thing I thought and also because I thought I would be alive um, when I was brought to the room for c-section we did not go through the c-section plan again so things like not washing my baby right away and not cutting the cord also right away uh, we did not get to talk about this uh, so it was because I thought I would be alive, alive. <laughs> I was alive. I thought I would be awake so I could say and I thought I could hold him right away and feed him right away and say you don't cut the cord like make sure this wish was respected and make sure they would not wash him uh, but I was asleep and so when I woke up I was a bit panicky because remember my last thought was maybe I'm gonna die. Uh, I remember asking, so when I woke up I was with this nurse who um, who held my hand and I asked her to pray for my baby and eventually the midwife came, the hospital midwife, and she said, you have a perfect son, and he's really, really hungry, would you like to feed him? And of course I was like, yes, I wanna feed him. That's like, that's all I wanna do. And he came to my chest, he was all cleaned out, and 
cord cut and everything. Oh, but they, they kept my placenta. That's one thing they remembered. So they kept my placenta. Um, anyway, I received my, my partner came with the camera. <laughs> he was like, oh, our son is so beautiful. He's so beautiful. He was crying. And I got to hold my baby and he latched perfectly. And I was so happy and so relieved because I thought, oh, at least we have this. At least we have this. Also, because in Finland, they don't do um, the seed. uh, How is it called? You know, like um, being born through um, vaginal canal gives a lot of good bacteria for the baby microbiome. There are studies showing that being born by C-section is not as beneficial to building the microbiome. And in some places, you can actually uh, have a prelevement of your vaginal secretion and this being rubbed on your baby to allow a similar process to the vaginal birth. But they don't do this in Finland. They think it's risky for some reason. Um, so I knew we could not have this. And for me, it was so, so important to be able to breastfeed my baby. Like this is the, I have a bit of this obsession to building a good uh, flora for him. So anyway, uh, and he latched right away and we were moved to our room. Um, so we, we were in the room and my partner told me and he showed me picture. Uh, so uh, our son was brought to him to do skin to skin as quick as possible. And he was trying to suck on my partner's nipple. So he was and he was quite hungry when when we met. Um, and to this day, my son is really really not patient when he's hungry it's like you need to give me food right away I've waited enough (laughs) in the first hours of uh, first hour of my life so yeah maybe uh, it was I don't know one hour we were separated he was really hungry how much further from what I had planned for and wished for this birth experience could have been. I don't know. This was the total opposite. It was so far that I could not but feel there is a reason why this is all happening like this. Also, I felt everyone was quite biased in their medical model of care, but no one was disrespectful. No one uh, coerced me. No, like I did not feel any violence until after, until after. Um, uh, I guess this is uh, for the next episode. Um, so the recovery, uh, maybe not the next episode, but yeah, I'm, I'm gonna come to this. So my son was born at 4.16 in the afternoon. Um, after a long labor, both at home and then in the hospital, 
through um, unplanned emergency C-section under general anesthesia. Uh, he was a stamped post-term baby mm, and it was a little complicated in the hospital. Uh, there are a lot of things that are really related to being in Finland and how it works in Finland. But yeah, it was a little uh, challenging after the birth. Uh, also because I had to recover from a very big surgery. I also, I guess, had to recover from this birth going in the total opposite of what I uh, I'd wish. And ta-da, we catch the COVID in the hospital. We did not want to go to hospital in the first place and we had COVID then. So uh, my partner was quite sick in the hospital. He did not feel well. Then midwife said, oh, maybe you should go home if you're not uh, well. And said, no, I think it's just migraine because of the stress and he could stay with me. But then when we finally got back home, uh, he tested positive for COVID. I probably had COVID, but I don't know what was the more intense for me. Was it the drugs, uh, recovery from the drugs, recovery from the surgery, uh, recovery from the birth and labor. It was really hard. This is a story for an, another time. I waited for this baby to come earthside for so long and he thought I needed to wait a little bit more and to experience it in a very different way than what I thought I needed to experience. And I am still uncovering the reasons why it might be. I believe that in life things happen always for a reason. And yeah. We like to say in our family that our son came out from the window. So, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna leave you with this for today. So, okay, thank you. You've been listening to the Aquarian Mother podcast. Thank you for being with us. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review. And don't forget to follow us so you don't miss out. See you next time.